I've got to tell the President of the United States and his wife that my name is Bubba. <laughs> Am I going to say my real name or I'm going to say Bubba? Not, not that I'm embarrassed of my real name, but nobody knows me by my real name. Well, 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 here we are again for the Run the Race podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to uh, listen and uh, make sure to tell your friends about it. Subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher. I would love for you to keep listening as we uh, we uh, talk about fitness and faith, so many important things. And today, I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Bubba. That's right. That's his name. That's what he's gone by since he was two days old. He is a mayor. He is a pastor and a grocery store owner in East Alabama. Another interesting fact is that uh, he lost 100 pounds on keto. So that's something we're definitely going to talk about, um, you know, diet and fitness and how that plays a role because he was approaching 400 pounds. So uh, definitely want to hear how he did that and, and how he's still doing it. We're going to talk about uh, how he ended up uh, getting into the ministry and being the mayor of the town where he was born and raised. What happened when he met uh, President Trump and the First Lady uh, after a, a tornado ripped through the area where uh, he's a leader. And uh, we talk about prayer and uh, depression and racism and marriage and fatherhood. So many cool things. Um, and even football as well. He said he was part of the FBI, the uh, Fat Boys Incorporated. So you're going to find out what that's all about uh, coming up. But first, I wanted to give you an update on my guest from uh, last week's podcast, uh, the last episode uh, we had on Kevin and Annie Randolph, really an inspiring conversation. If you go back and listen uh, to that episode, uh, they are both ultra runners and uh, a married couple who are also race directors. And and uh, she uh, is going through a journey right now of breast cancer, diagnosed several months ago. Well, today, now that I'm recording this, uh, so it'll be a couple of days ago when this uh, episode comes out, um, but just uh, uh, this week, she had a double mastectomy, and so I just heard back from uh, Kevin uh, that Annie's uh, surgery went well. Uh, she should be going home soon and doing good, a little groggy. The, the surgeon was able to, to do the surgery, and, and, and uh, they still have to look at some lymph nodes and some, uh, some testing results in terms of the margins. But, uh, but it seems like hopefully prayers have been answered here, and hopefully uh, this can help the cancer go away and her be healed uh, because I know they are trusting in God and, and trusting in, in uh, the medicine and everything that, that everything will work out well. But um, they really have an inspiring story. Uh, it was an emotional conversation uh, as they talked about, you know, relying on each other as a husband and wife and, and looking to, to a higher power to the Lord uh, for uh, in this, these really trying times and uh, also all the running as well. So you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we're rooting them on and can praying for uh, Annie Randolph's continued recovery uh, as they are a great couple from Georgia. Turning now to uh, right to my uh, conversation for this episode of Run the Race, we have Mayor F.L. Bubba Copeland. He's a lifelong resident of Smith Station, Alabama, uh, which is right in between Phoenix City, Columbus, Georgia, and Auburn and Opelika, if you're familiar with that. It's a town of about 5,000 people in East Alabama. He graduated in 1992 from Smith Station High School. We talk a little bit about his uh, short football career there. 
He became mayor of the town November of 2016 after serving 11 years on the Lee County Board of Education. He's also an ordained minister, serving now as interim pastor at First Baptist Church in Phoenix City, which is just on the edge next to Georgia. He also owns and operates the country market in Salem, Alabama, another small town. And uh, he remarried a few years ago to Angela. They have three kids between them, so he stays very, very busy. And uh, here's my conversation with uh, the man named Bubba. I'd like to welcome Mayor Bubba Copeland to the podcast, local pastor as well. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to talk about, you know, being growing up in Smith Station, Alabama, being the mayor now and a local pastor uh, and also uh, marriage and and fatherhood. But I wanted to tackle fitness first because you told me, you know, via text uh, before we're talking here uh, that you lost 100 pounds over the last year plus on keto. That's right, right? Yeah, yeah. I lost uh, 100 pounds on keto over the last year and two months. I just, my blood pressure was up real high and, and I just wasn't feeling well and I was getting the afternoon lag and I said, you know, let's do something about this. And the first part of the journey is getting it started and that was the hardest part. So tell me about how you decided to do keto and I mean, wh- where were you, I guess, if you, if you don't mind telling us when you started in terms of your weight? Oh Lord, I was upper 300s. Now I'm upper 200s. Wow. So what, what, uh, what made you choose keto? And tell us about that for those who don't know what it is. I, I know it's kind of a low-carb type thing. Yeah, well, I, I used Weight Watchers before and lost about 20 pounds and tried other diets, you know, and nothing ever worked. And I, I didn't want to go to any surgical route. So I talked to a friend that had done keto and lost a lot of weight, and, and they sent me a text, a simple text. is what you can and cannot eat. And all the things on there that, that was able to eat, I didn't like to eat. So I just went with those things and got rid of bread and sugars, got rid of uh, any kind of um, rice and anything like that, and just really stuck with uh, greens and meat and uh, stuff, and it, the weight just started coming off. Has it been difficult in terms of being disciplined and, and not eating maybe some of the things that you really enjoyed eating uh, you know, uh, more than a year ago? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like when you have your birthday, you can't have a birthday cake. Uh, you can't have a cupcake, you know, and you're somewhere, you know, when I was my heaviest, uh, that was one of my weaknesses was any kind of like cakes or whatever. But now I hadn't had a piece of cake in over a year. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, are you continuing on this track? Do you have a certain goal, weight or uh, something you would like to get to? Or Well, I, you know, losing weight is a learned discipline. You can't just stop. You have to kind of stay somewhat on it to, t- to maintain. And uh, I'm giving myself a break for about a a month and a half, and I'm gonna pick back up, try to get another forty off, and then I'll be happy. Wow! So, um, is is this uh, involved any kind of working out or walking, running, anything like that with that, or is this a purely nutrition and diet based? Uh, it's, it's, I like I walk, and I do like to do yard work. I, when I played football, I played football in high school, and I played for seven years. And I swore if I ever uh, left that weight room, I'd never go back to a weight room or run again. So I, I walk and I, I work in the yard and, and that's about it. <laughs> so, you know, when you were, you know, upwards, you know, kind of closing in on 400 pounds, I mean, and, and compared to how you feel now, you know, having lost 100 pounds, I mean, what, tell us about, you know, mentally and physically how you feel like the, the difference for you. Uh, the main thing I really can relate it to is uh, acid reflux is one thing is gone now. And then blood pressure is, is very good now. And then the third thing would probably be that afternoon slump 
that uh, everybody gets. Like if you eat carbs, a lot of carbs, around 2.30 or 3, you just get exhaustedly tired until you kick back into, uh, I guess, your second gear or third gear or whatever. But I don't have that anymore. Just I'm, I'm full of energy throughout the day. And uh, that's important, you know, especially when you have three jobs. Yeah, absolutely. You wear a lot of hats. And, yeah. and uh, for, those, for those out there that, you know, especially as we kind of close in on summertime and people want to lose weight, whether it be 10 pounds or 100 pounds, uh, what would you say to folks about, you know, how to be disciplined and how to, uh, you know, you said getting started is the hardest part, but staying yeah. on track for months and months? Well, you know, the first thing is getting started. But, you know, people say weigh once a week. I can't do that. I weigh every single day. And uh, I know up and down, up and down. It just kind of keeps me disciplined. And uh, I know if I lose a pound or gain a pound or, or where, where I'm at. And, uh, and then, you know, I'm in a grocery store most of the day, all day. I own a grocery store up on the backwaters, the country market. And, uh, you know, you can walk out of the back room or the office where you say, I can get anything I want to to eat. But you also can get anything healthy that you want to eat as well. So you have to make wise choices. And, and the main thing is, is you're responsible for yourself. And... Uh, Nobody else is responsible for you. So if you want to lose weight, you can do it uh, because I was there, you know, overweight, depressed. And and even though people think, well, he's got it all together. No, I was going through some things mentally uh, when I was my heaviest. And I just said, you know what? I got to take responsibility for myself. Yeah. And uh, one last thing on this. I know, you know, you've been married uh, several years now and your wife went on this journey with you with keto. How important is that to to do this as a couple kind of to support each other and uh, to kind of say, hey, we're we're doing this as as a, a married couple? Oh, it's important. I mean, your partner, you know, it's important for for her to be there with you because um, she would cook one night, I'd cook one night. There's a lot of cooking involved. Um, you got to be real disciplined if you eat out and what you eat. Uh, so it was really good. I mean, you know, she's my best friend and uh, she lost uh, 30, almost 35 pounds with it. And so uh, and it was it was interesting because she didn't cheat and I didn't cheat. So it was he, holding each other responsible. Yeah, that, that's that's some discipline for like 14 months to, to not oh, yeah. cheat. So uh, congratulations to you Thank for you. Uh, all the weight loss and this journey for sure. Thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, before we dive into some of the other topics, talking about, you know, faith and fitness, other things, you know, I wanted to kind of do a quick fast forward we do for the podcast and kind of get to know you a little bit, some rapid fire questions. Uh, The first one is, what is your current job description? I know you wear a lot of hats, but job description at work and also at home. Uh, At work, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm a mayor, a pastor, and a grocery store owner, so uh, just work hard. And then at home, I'm dad. I'm husband, and I'm best friend, and uh, uh, giver of tickles. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bringing some laughs in there. Um, also, uh, what do you do? You know, I know you talked about walking, different things. Do you have like a routine, maybe either daily or weekly, for fitness, whether it be a gym or just out at a park or something? No, I walk just in my neighborhood, or I walk. Uh, around in my yard, I have uh, four acres. I like to walk around there, and uh, a lot. Most of it is I make a list of yard work for me, and so I do that list. And most of the time, it's very uh, intensive. Uh, get your heart rate up. Yeah, and I know you're a youth minister. I believe at uh, First Baptist Church in Phoenix City, if that's right. Well, and, I used to be um, the youth minister. I'm the Bible, I'm the interim pastor now. Okay, now you're the interim pastor at um, at First Baptist Church in Phoenix City. So tell me about for you. Do you have a like a spiritual mo- motto or mantra, or maybe a favorite Bible verse? Yeah, you know, um, Jesus was asked, uh, "What does it take to inherit the kingdom of heaven?" And, and the answer to that question is, he answered. He said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and love your neighbors you love yourself." So my mantra is love. 
Uh, you got to love every single person. It doesn't matter who they are, whether they're black, white, Jew, Gentile, gay, straight, Catholic, or Protestant. You got to love people where they're at, and uh, that's the key to uh, Christianity: is loving people. And that's all Jesus asked us to do: was love, love one another. And I don't understand why it's so hard. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the Beatles sing about all we need is love, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true, but it's um, you, it's it's di just difficult. People don't understand it. it. They want to put rules around it, and I can love this person, love that person. No, when Jesus said love, he didn't he didn't say he said everybody. Yeah, and uh, last of the fast four, uh, what is something unique about uh, Bubba Copeland? <laughs> uh, so much. I, 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 uh, I, 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 you don't take life too serious because nobody's getting out alive. So you just enjoy every day and uh, soak up every single day and, and try, to, try to bring happiness to other people's lives. Um, so I guess what would be unique is I truly care about other people and I care about their needs and their happiness more so than I do myself. Sometimes that'll, that'll drain you. But what's unique about me is I, I actually don't just say I love people. I do love people. Yeah, and and the fact that you you get to love people in a variety of ways as a uh, at a grocery store, at a church as a pastor, and also mayor of, of a town. So it's it's a, it's a lot of lot of opportunities there. I see. Yeah, I just minister at all three places and do my job. Absolutely. And speaking of that, one of those jobs, you know, you, uh, uh, I, I believe, born and raised in, in Smith Station, Alabama, this area. And uh, tell me about um, now being the mayor of, of your town, of Smith Station, uh, which is, you know, in between uh, Auburn and Phoenix City, Columbus, Georgia area. Uh, tell me about what, what it's like for you. I mean, is this, a, you know, was it a dream for you? Was, is it something that you, I assume, really enjoy? Yeah, um, I was on the school board for 13 years. And while being on the school board, uh, we, we got a lot of things done. We built a new high school. And then I saw that uh, my city, you know, we needed to move things forward and forward. And I said, you know, I'm going to run for mayor. And I ran for mayor, and that was almost five years ago. And, and then the, it's just an honor to, to represent Smith Station um, in all capacities, as well as being the, the, the city leader. And through, through March 19th, 2019, and, and then COVID, you know, it's, it's been a very difficult time, but I've had a lot of fun. I mean, our Miss, out, Miss, Miss Station went on to be Miss Teen uh, USA and, and Miss Teen America, and uh, just the adventures that it go on. And, and I love my little city, and I love everybody in it, and it's, uh, it's, I call it Mayberry 2021. Everybody knows everybody, and everybody gets along, and uh, it's just a beautiful place to live and work. So you would be Andy Griffith or, or something no. close to that? <laughs> I'd probably be Barney no. Five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so for those who maybe, you know, are listening and not aware of Smith Station, Alabama, uh, it's a town of, is it what, about 5,000 people, yeah, give or take, 5, population? Mm -hmm. We're gotcha. one of the fastest growing cities in the state of Alabama right now. We're, we, uh, in the last four and a half years, we've had over 400 homes being built. We've got 120 active home builds right now. Gotcha. And I know one of the things that uh, you did last summer, I believe it was, during the pandemic, was uh, you guys had a unity walk. In fact, you, you proclaimed a, an, um, a officially June 5th to be Smith Station Unity Walk Day in the city. And um, I know, you know, racism and unity is, is a big issue still to this day and, and unfortunately a growing issue that uh, we were coming to grips with as a nation. So for you, how important is that? Because you talked about loving other people, but, you know, people that, that don't look like you how how, um, how do you express that as a pastor and as a mayor well I, you know the only way I do know how, the only way I know how to explain it to you is just to be honest in Smith Station we don't have racial issues and I mean this from the bottom of my heart my city council and I have never been divided on racial lines I grew up and I know this is cliche for 
for um, white people to say, but I grew up with black friends, and I lived, I, mean, I spent night at black friends' houses, I played baseball, I played football, I was really close, and when the George Floyd murder happened last year, I, I, I figured it would be best if uh, we got in front of, of getting together instead of being behind it and let it happen to us. And I saw all the rioting happen, and a friend of mine reached out to me, and he says, hey, man, let's do something. And so um, we decided to, to, to host this walk. And uh, we walked from one of the oldest African-American churches in uh, Smith Station to our city halls about one mile. And it was just a beautiful thing. I expected 20 people to show up, and probably over 400 people showed up. And, uh, you know, racism is a huge issue, not just black and white, you know, the Asian-American situation going on right now. And, and you just think you, you're, you're responsible for yourself and how you act to treat other people. And it breaks my heart to see how people are mistreated and people are, um, you know, looked down upon and stuff. It's just foolishness in 2021 to act that way. And, and I'll be the first to say, if you claim to be a Christian and you have hate in your heart, you're not going to heaven. And that's plainly what Jesus says. You've got to love other people, um, you know, love them unconditionally and let, let, you know, let Jesus do the rest. Yeah. And how do you how do you feel like, you know, when you, you kind of brought it up a little bit, but how do you feel like faith plays a role in that in terms of, you know, people coming together and, you know, not having the, you know, because maybe some some people have grown up and they've learned that learned racism from their parents or Most grandparents. You know. And so how do you how do you, you feel like you can get past that and how can faith play a role in that? Well, it says in the scriptures when I was a child, I thought I was a child. When I came a man, I put my childish ways behind. And that's, you're responsible, like I said earlier, you're responsible for yourself. As you get older, you got to determine how you're going to act and how you're going to react. And I ask you to put yourselves in an Asian female's shoes or an African-American male's shoes as he goes into a grocery store or a convenience store and somebody looks at him and, and all of a sudden that says that he's a thief and he's not doing nothing but trying to get a bag of chips. I mean, it's just, we're so beyond that in 2021. And I think the way faith plays into it is, is what I said earlier. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, and your neighbor is every single human. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not sure if, if uh, you know, what for you as a child, if you grew up like saying, you know, I wanted to be a mayor, I wanted to be a pastor. So how, how was your journey in terms of being ordained as a minister? Was that something that you felt a calling early in life, or maybe you ran from it? No, I, I, that's it's interesting. I didn't grow up wanting to be a mayor. I didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor. I grew up just wanting to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, some way, shape, form, or fashion, I just wanted to, to do something in whatever capacity that would be. And uh, I felt the calling in the ministry when I was a young child, you know, when I was a young child, teenager, and I ignored it, you know, and I said, God, I'll do anything. Just don't let me do that. Make me do that. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, w one Sunday afternoon, our, our preacher came up to me and he says, hey, we don't have anybody to teach youth. And uh, I went in there and taught youth, and I was a youth minister there for 20 years until I became wow. an interim pastor. Um, so I had an impact on a lot of people's lives. And, and then same way with mayor, you see a need, and you just reach out and, and try to do it. Um, there's a lot of people that say they're going to do something, a lot of people that do something. Um, and people say, how do you do so much? How do you have three jobs, so on and so forth? And I just say, why don't you? I mean, why don't, why don't you do more for other people? And that's not being braggadocious. That's just saying the world is hurting and need a lot of people just to reach out and love them. Yeah. 
And, and as a pastor, you know, we've been um, kind of living, obviously, through this COVID-19 pandemic for the last, you know, 14, 15 months now. And so for you, what has it been like uh, pastoring people at your church, people in your community? And because I know a lot of folks have questions, you know, asking God, why is this happening? Why are you, you know, allowing so many people to die? You know, I think you guys did a, get a, did a story on me uh, last year about through the pandemic about having three jobs. I was the only fool that had three essential jobs through COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so people that come and question, uh, I had this conversation yesterday. Uh, I truly believe God's hand is in everything, everything we go through. And uh, God's hand is in this as well. I, I don't know what he's trying to teach us. Um, I see it dividing people. I see um, people that that don't believe in COVID at all still. I see people that have died. I've, I've buried in several people that have had COVID, and and one person I know died thinking he didn't have COVID, but he did. Um, I've I've seen all myriads of it, but I, I guess we got to go back in Scripture. And I don't want to keep doing that, but I, that's the only way I know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, during the Israelites' time, they had plague after plague, and had prophet after prophet. And they was trying to tell them, "Hey, guys, you know, you need to wake up. You need to uh, do what God says. You need to." to follow my teachings and I, I firmly believe that God is sending us a message through this you know trying to explain to us hey uh, wake up uh, not just America but the world um, you're destroying what I gave you you're hurting other people you're not doing what or the scriptures say you're not doing what you're supposed to do and uh, I think that when I explain to people to comfort them I say God will get us through this but God is trying to teach us something through this so make sure you're prayerful and pay attention yeah, well, I think the word is the best way to uh, answer questions and explain stuff for sure. Because I mean, that's really kind of our our, our uh, guide for life. You know, the, yes. the key is just, but it can be interpreted in so many different ways. And and we were talking about COVID nineteen, and also you know, um, it's been a little more than two years since the deadly tornado ripped through you know East Alabama, uh, killing uh, twenty three people, specifically in the small town of, of Beauregard, right next to to Smith Station. And I know that's something that was, uh, was, you know, you were on the forefront of, of the aftermath and helping folks out with a tornado. Um, what was that like? I mean, I know you have a lot of hats, mayor and pastor and, and businessman, but, uh, you know, what, what was that like going through that? And still to this day, obviously people still hurting several years later. Yeah. You know, you're talking about the word, and I just want to back up there for a minute. You know, being a mayor, you have to separate church and state. So I'm always constantly walking a tightrope on those two things. Make sure, you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to cross that line because I do respect the Constitution. I respect the Bible, the Bible more so, but also respect the Constitution. Um, So to answer your question on March 3rd, um, it's still going on. Uh, the, The tornado was 70 miles long and almost a mile wide. The, the, the brief field was, about 25 miles in the air, and it, it sometimes it had winds of 250 miles an hour. Um, you don't get over something like that in a, in a year or two years. Uh, PTSD goes on for a long time. Every time a storm happens, you still have people call you that are in need. Um, I was talking to a, to a group of people this week, and I was saying I can remember very vividly on March the 3rd, I, I, upon arriving on Lee Road 294, it took us a while to get in because all the trees were down. There was a lady walking down in nothing but her underwear, and she says, I've lost everything. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go gather your stuff up. She says, no, my whole house is gone. And she lived in a trailer, and her whole house was gone. Uh, there was nothing left, not even a, not even a, nothing. And so, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff really tests your faith. And I'll tell you a story that I, it's kind of, part of my, kind of part of my testimony, but 
on on the day of the Saturday after the March third tornado was almost a week. Um, we had a trailer that was that had been pulled in by the Alabama Forestry Commission that was 52 foot long, and it rolled out on the sides and it was kind of like center of communications for the whole county. Uh, and so I walked out of the back of that trailer and I looked to my right and there was a group of Muslims having morning prayer and I, I looked straight ahead of me. There was some uh, Jewish rabbis there praying and I, there was the Baptist, Southern Baptist. There was the Methodist. There was the LGBT community. There was uh, people from all over, some veterans that uh, survived suicide, um, suicide attempts. There was people with Jeeps and, and chainsaw crews and everything. Really over a thousand people were there to volunteer. And uh, we had a volunteer reception center. And I said to myself, I was like, God, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to teach me through this? Because everything we do in life, God is, sends us a teaching moment. And yeah. so uh, he didn't give me my answer until Thursday of that next week. I was in the shower that morning. And I said, God, I'm still perplexed as to why all these people wanted to come to Little Old Smith Station and help. And he says, Bubba, I am. I am the God of everything under the sun. I am. I'm the God of, of the Muslim. I'm the God of the Christian. I'm the God of every, I'm the God of everything. I am. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You know, and it just made so much sense to me. As divided as we are portrayed and as divided as everybody is when it comes to the human being, we all care about each other and we all love each other. And that's what it's going to take us to, to get us successful and get us all back to a, a world where love is. And do you think that, you know, uh, a crisis... Um, whether it be a natural disaster like a tornado uh, or, you know, or a health pandemic like COVID-19, uh, do you think these kind of things drive people towards faith? Or do you think there's also something to be said for the fact that some people just turn away from church um, in, in these times because they're just upset and, and, and that things aren't going well? No, I think it, I think it strengthens people's faith. I think it, you, get, you realize that there's something bigger than you are and you, you go to your faith. I think what's keeping people from going to church or taking people away from church is uh, the devil. He's a time thief, and we just get so busy in our week that Sunday becomes the day that we're kind of have downtime. And but now we got travel ball, now we got travel soccer, now we got this, that, and the other. We all got to do, and and it takes away from what church is. And I'm really afraid as a pastor that we're going to lose a whole generation, uh, a group of people like general, the millennials and so on and so forth that are going to have lose the foundation of, of faith. You know, the, yeah. the, the rules that we live by, you know, do unto others as you have them do unto you. And, and I'm just afraid about that. But, you know, we as, we as pastors, we as church leaders, we as Christians, we got to be the church. We got to show people what love is. And, and we got to go out of our way to, to not be so judgmental and draw people towards him. Yeah, absolutely. That's well said for sure. And you were talking earlier about like uh, PTSD from uh, from the tornado, even, you know, more than two years later that still exists and, and, and the healing is still going on. And you talked earlier about yourself personally, how, you know, um, you know, a, a year or two years ago when you were, you know, at your highest weight and you were going through depression yourself. Uh, tell me about that, because there may be people listening that, you know, go, or maybe going through similar things right now and they just feel, uh, you know, maybe they they just don't like themselves or how they look. So what, what were you going through and what would you have to say to other people about if they're going through something similar? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll just be honest because, I mean, I think it'll help people out. We, we, I had a problem not feeling good enough. You know, uh, people ask me all the time, you know, why do you do so much? How do you do so much? Well, you're the mayor, you're the this. And sometimes it just doesn't matter. I mean, what you do, you still don't feel good enough. And uh, with social media the way it is today, we, we 
thumb through social media and we see this person having the perfect vacation, this person looking very handsome, or this person looking very beautiful and having their life together, their kids are all happy, No, there's no problems, and, and then it just all kind of sinks in to become reality. And you think that everybody else is having fun except you, that they're not going through the problems that you're going through, and they're not going through, the, and it, it just begins to weigh on you and sink on you. And, and then you begin to pray about it, and I'm telling you, the more you pray, the more the devil fights against you. And it just mm -hmm. kind of begins to... To, to do that and then I had the March 3rd tornadoes and literally you have the weight of 5,000 people on your shoulders and especially the ones that, that, were, that were directly affected and uh, it kind of comes too much and then I lost myself in food uh, and I said that, that's my comfort you know and, and, and that's what I did I just said you know food made me happy and that was my, my receptors in my brain that allowed me to, to be happy about that and it just got out of hand and, and uh, depression is real you know in Smith Station we have a high number of suicides, teen suicides. It's, a, it's an epidemic in Smith Station. And I know you you know personally how hard we've been trying to combat that. And and we need to have a, a, a mature talk about mental health in America and in the world. And and one thing, too, men need to start asking each other, are they okay? You know, we, you and I are about the same age, and we, we grew up, and, you know, you be a man, you don't cry, you be tough, rah, rah, yeah. you know. You'd be like that. No, we as men got to reach out like women do, and I don't mean anything by that, and say, hey, man, are you okay? I want you to know I, I love you. And so I, I try to do that at least once a week, reach out to a, to a male friend of mine and just say, hey, man, are you okay? And it just blows their mind because nobody ever does that as guys. So men get depressed. Men get down. Men have anxiety. Men have depression. So uh, we got to start looking out for each other, not necessarily like a brotherhood, but as friends. Uh, and I think that that'll make the world a better place as well. Yeah, and I, th I think there's there's a lot to be said for that comparison trap and the fact that we have all this great technology and social media these days to keep us connected, but it can also kind of be used for, for bad and it can make us feel like, you know, because we all try to portray out there the, the best version of ourselves, even though we all have kind of messy stuff going on in the background. So for you now, you know, um, we're in, you know, uh, April of, of 2021. When you look in the mirror as, as Bubba Copeland, I mean, do you, you uh, I guess, have a much different perspective of yourself than you did this time last year, I, I assume. Yeah, you do, but you still deal with issues, you know. I mean, I, I think uh, all of us want to be better tomorrow than we are today, and all of us want to try to do the best we can. And I think if we ever get satisfied, we run out of gas, run out of fuel, physically and mentally and emotionally. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I, I would be safe to say that 90% of all Americans deal with some kind of uh, anxiety or, or something like that. Do I feel better this year than last year? Absolutely. Um, do I feel like uh, I've made good choices? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, you, you always don't want to be just content. Uh, be content with what you have, but don't be content in yourself. Always try to be smarter and learn more every single day and reach out and try to help people. Yeah. And um, so tell me again, what's your, uh, what, what is your, your, your goal is, I guess, to continue the keto and continue to, to lose weight up to a certain point? Because like you said, it, it, I guess it's sometimes some, some people say it's easy to lose the weight, uh, and then it, but it's the, the hard part is kind of maintaining, I guess, at that point. Yeah. Well, my doctor said I'll never be able to, to get off a diet. He said, I'll be, my body type, I'll be on a diet forever. Um, as my grandma said, I'm big bone. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know that's, but I, I'll always have to stay on a diet of some sort. And I'm okay with that. I mean, the, the diet's like money. Um, if you hold yourself responsible with your money, you don't go blow it on stupid things, you'll have money. If you don't go eat Doritos and, and tw Twinkies and Ding Dongs, you'll lose weight. 
it's that simple. Personal responsibility is a, is a big, big deal. And that means like you and you and Kevin, my buddy Kevin, my Smith Station resident, you guys run every morning for, for whatever godforsaken reason. But y'all <laughs> run every morning and, uh, and I'll see the pictures of y'all running like 70 miles and stuff like that. And I'm like, good God, I don't even drive that much in a day. But that's personal, <laughs> that's personal responsibility for yourself. I mean, and, and I'm proud of y'all for doing that. It's not something I would enjoy, but I'm glad y'all enjoy it. Yeah, well, I know one thing you, you have enjoyed to do in the past, and uh, maybe you, you, eating food was important for this as well, is playing football. I know, and, and yeah. I think it was the late 80s, early 90s, you played football at Smith Station High School. Yeah. Um, do, does that I mean, you, I assume you're still a big fan. I mean, do you, you look back on those days, and, and people always think about, like, you know, I played high school football, and you're kind of proud of that. So for you, looking back on that, is that something? Because I know where we are in Alabama and Georgia, I mean, football is king. Yeah, yeah. I played back Smith Station in '88, '89, '90, '91 uh, with the. Uh, we had state runner up two years in a row and lost two years in a row to the same team, Oxford. And, and uh, coach, the, coach Moose, right? Yeah, Moose got one. Yeah, and then uh, you know, imagine losing to the same team two years in a row. It, that still hurts some thirty years later. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I played football. I was an offensive guard. I was a pulling guard. I was a fast little fat kid. I run a five five forty, and oh. uh, that, that was pretty good for you know three hundred pounder. And so, uh, you know, you, that was my position, uh, offensive guard. And, and I think I may have half a play left in me. That's about oh. it. But, <laughs> but I wouldn't – every time I watch Auburn, I'm a big Auburn fan. I went to Auburn. And every time I watch Auburn, I get so mad. I'm like, if I could just put them pads on one time, I know I could score a touchdown. But I, I, that's all in my mouth and not my heart. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, football's, football taught me discipline. A man by the name of Mac McManus was our JV coach. He taught me a lot about discipline. And he was one of the ones that was real hard on me about my weight as well. He's still a Smith Station resident. And uh, when I, you'll enjoy this, Jason. When I played uh, junior high school football, I was in the FBI with him. Can you, can you guess what FBI means? No. Fat Boys Incorporated. So he would make us run after practice because we were part of the FBI. And uh, <laughs> so you'd tell the girls, all the girls, just, I'm in the FBI in high school. You know, they thought they were cool. They didn't know it was Fat Boys Incorporated. But anyway, <laughs> he, he would make us run, and, and uh, he taught me discipline. I mean, I'm telling you what, that guy, he was the hardest coach I ever played for in my life. And uh, I remember I remember got my first paddling from him. And uh, I remember that. I think my rear end still hurts from today. That was back in the days <laughs> when you could do that. But yeah. I, I love him. His, his, his name is McManus, Coach McManus. And uh, – I hope he gets to watch this. Yeah, and uh, um, I, I know that back when I played basketball in, in high school, that's actually where I learned the Lord's Prayer, and I think yeah. junior varsity and varsity basketball. For you, was it was there a correlation between sports and and faith too? Because I know, especially you know here in the Deep South, the Bible Belt, you know there is a lot of connections there. Yeah, and uh, my family did not go to church, and we had a man by the name of Steve Argo that um, did a built a pond for my family. And uh, he invited us to church, and my parents wouldn't go. And so he, they had a church bus, Pine Grove Baptist Church. And they'd come out in this old van, a 70-something model van, and I'd hop in, and I'd go to church. And then my, I begged my family to start going. My family started going. And, and then from that one man asking, my whole family got saved. And uh, then as I got to be a teenager, I went to Lakewood Baptist Church in the youth group. And um, then I met uh, my first wife. Her dad was a preacher at First Baptist Church, and he said, if you're going to marry my daughter, you're going to come to my church. And that's how I ended up at First Baptist Church, and, and that was whew, about 30 years ago, if not longer. And uh, 
And I started going to First Baptist Church, and I'm still there now. And now I'm the pastor, interim pastor. Wow, wow. And I know uh, you're married to um, Angela. Did she go by Angela or Angie? Mm -hmm. Angela. Uh, you're married, married to Angela now, and uh, you guys have um, uh, three kids. Is that right? Yeah, three. Well, yeah, I have one. His name's Carter Cope, and he's at Auburn. Okay. And uh, I have two other two girls that I, the Lord has blessed me with, and uh, that's Abby Kate and Allie. And uh, they live at home. They go to Smith Station West. One is 10 and one is 8, and they wow. are uh, typical girls. <laughs> what, what, is, what, is, what is that like, you know, being, you know, um, you know uh, like we talked earlier about kind of doing things together as a couple in terms of keto. Uh, what's that like, you know, obviously you wear those three hats we talked about earlier for your jobs, those are paying jobs, but um, at home you're, like you said, your dad and your husband. Um, how important are those roles for you? I mean, do those trump the other three hats you oh, wear? Oh, gosh, yeah, absolutely. And actually they pay more. You know, they pay more in <laughs> happiness and they pay more in, uh, you know, joy. And, uh, you know, I raised my son since when he, uh, my first wife and I got divorced when um, I, he was six. I raised him by myself until I met uh, Angela and I got married two years ago. So it was just he and I. It was two men and two dogs in the house for well over 10 years. And, uh, and so all of a sudden you go from the peace and quiet of a boy to three <laughs> girls in the house. You're you outnumbered about sensory, now. <laughs> yeah, you talk about sensory overload. So now I got one dog and two cats and three girls and my son lives in Auburn. So uh, life, I learned this, Jason, life is all about change and it's not if life's going to change, it's going to be how you adapt to change. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying you, you need prayer because you're surrounded by, by women? Is that what you're well, saying? I just or? don't get a vote. I just keep my mouth shut. Oh, okay, you yeah. get you get a vote. You get a vote in Smith Station for the city, but not, but maybe not at home. Right? No, I just I'm I'm not stupid. I just look stupid. You know, when I when they start arguing, I just get out of the way. Hey, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Whatever you say. Last night we had an interesting fact. I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, my first daughter, the ten year old, lost a molar, and so uh, I was like, "Well, that's cool," you know. And then five minutes later, her sister got jealous, pulled her other front tooth out. So we had two <laughs> missing teeth last night. So. <laughs> Uh, every day is like herding squirrels in my life. The, the, the adventures <laughs> of, uh, of Bubba Copeland at home. And yeah. also, you know, okay, we talked earlier, this was off mic. So, uh, you know, you, you Bubba and people that maybe people are listening, maybe uh, they could be listening in a whole different state or whatever. And they're like, Bubba, Bubba Copeland, is that his real name? So tell me the story behind how you became Bubba and maybe what you're real. Because I know you're FL uh, Bubba Copeland. Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you a funny story if I tell you that. I had opportunity when the tornadoes come through to meet the president of the United States, President Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah, President Trump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, that's a funny story. We don't have time to talk about it, but anyway, um, when oh, he you walked up to you can, you, uh, you can go and tell it. Oh uh, well, they, uh, I got a phone call from Washington, and, and they were like, "Hey, you know, we want you to meet the president." And I was like, "Well, okay, um, all right, <laughs> you know." And so, uh, you know, like herding squirrels. And so uh, we. Uh, yeah, I give them my credentials the next morning. I picked up by Secret Service and taken over to Beauregard and taken up to this upper room. And this guy, um, this guy comes in and, and it lifts up a Pelican case and, and opens it up, got some computer, and phones went completely dead. And then, and then five minutes later, the president walks in. And so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I've got to tell the president of the United States and his wife that my name is Bubba. <laughs> Am I going to say my real name or I'm going to say Bubba? Not, not that I'm embarrassed of my real name, but nobody knows me by my real name. And yeah. so I'm sitting there thinking as he's going through the delegation, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? 
what do I do? And Senator Shelby walked up to me, he and I have a good relationship, and he, he said, President, this is Bubba, and he hit me on the arm, and the president said, really, your name Bubba? I said, yes, sir, it is, and his wife, Melania, said, Bubba? And I was just like, yeah, that's me. And so I made him laugh in three, about three, four point four seconds. And then it was just a great, great moment. And then the story gets better than that. Uh, he handed me a card and he said, if you need anything, call me. And I'm like, yeah, right. And he says, uh, I'm going to get your number and we'll keep in touch. And I'm like, yeah, right. So about three weeks later, I was going from the city back to my place of business. And my phone rang and it's Washington, D.C. And uh, he says, hold for the president. And I'm like, ain't no way. And he, he gets on the phone and says, hey, Bubba. And I'm like, well, hey, how's it going? And so uh, we had a talk. And, and to, to make that whole long story short, and I'll explain Bubba to you in a minute, uh, I thank goodness for Senator Doug Jones and President uh, Trump. They were able to get us a grant from FEMA for $800,000 to build a tornado Great. shelter in Smith Station, which is greatly needed on that side of the county. Um, so the name Bubba, when I was two days old, my grandfather didn't like my real name. My real name's Fred. And you said my two, middle, day, two days old. Yeah, two days old. My real name's Fred. My middle name's LaVon. Uh, so I, my, my official signature is F.L. Bubba Copeland. And my uh, official title, and I've only had one person send me a piece of mail, is the, uh, the Honorable Reverend F.L. Bubba Copeland. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long name, but, mo but, yeah. but everybody knows you as Bubba since, since two I, days old, right? That's all I am. That's all I'm ever going to be is Bubba. I don't need to put no qualms on. I'm just who I am. God made me this way, and Mama said, don't get above your raisins, so I ain't. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a great way to end it. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Mayor and uh, Pastor uh, Bubba Copeland. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you in uh, Smith Station soon. Uh, thank you, and I always appreciate your newscast. I appreciate your friendship, and you and Kevin wait on me in the morning. I'll run with y'all. <laughs> All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. <laughs>
confidence and trust in her body again. So uh, uh, keto is very strict, low carb, and she says it, it kind of feels inspiring because it gives you that sense of control that you didn't have before. And uh, she says that uh, cutting back on carbs led to significantly fewer cravings and hunger pangs. And uh, again, just eating just twice a day, having that discipline for years, gave her more time to focus on other priorities. She says, quote, it's this amazing feeling of I'm not a slave to my next snack. I remember just feeling giddy about it. And so, uh, you know, it can have its downfalls, too. She does still enjoy her carbs without feeling guilty, but compensates by fasting afterwards to to kickstart that uh, ketosis once again. So uh, that restriction can also backfire uh, in terms of what they call, quote, disordered eating. So these types of diets are helpful, but according to a body image therapist and a uh, a doctor, uh, they say that there's uh, little evidence that a strict diet can reduce the risk of disease, especially long-term, and they can put people at greater risk of, of disordered eating. Um, so a distraction uh, is a you know for vulnerability is what they call it. Um, so uh, this is how you can avoid that uh, those unhealthy restrictions. Some of the red flags to look out for uh, this you're on a verge of quote disordered behaviors. Uh, this is a quick list: preoccupation with body size or shape. Uh, hypervigilance around food. You know, you want to monitor every single carb or calorie. Guilt or shame about eating experiences. Compensating behavior to undo the damage done by certain foods or carbs. Frequently switching diets. And the last one, cycles of losing and regaining weight. That's that's what I was doing for years. I would I would uh, uh, lose 20 or 25 pounds and I would gain it back over the course of months and kind of these yo-yo diets. And uh, running has definitely helped me to uh, kind of really eat what I I want, you know, 3,000 calories a day and, and running, you know, uh, uh, 40 to 50 miles a week. So I, I can get away with it. I can enjoy that pizza and that ice cream and uh, and not gain weight, but really not lose it either. So um, now to our uh, parting gift um, and this, like I, you know, uh, promised you a kind of a personal story. Back when I was about 20 years old, I was a waiter uh, and this was in, in, in the summertime in between college and uh, I was working and uh, one of the customers uh, left me a tip and left me a note as well. We had struck up a conversation. I was kind of felt like I was having a fork in the road and praying for like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Do you want me to be a TV news anchor? Do you want me to go into this or do that? And and um, so he left me a, a verse that is still my favorite verse to this day. And again, that was like 25 years ago. And so um, this is the parting gift, inspiration, hopefully for you. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight. So if you're looking for your path to be straight, for like, okay, A to B, I want to I want to get to this place, or God, you know, I want to do your will. And the way to do that is to trust in him. Uh, he's not going to lead you astray. And give him the glory. Acknowledge him in everything uh, that happens. It's you know, it's not about me. You know, we are all selfish in our own ways. And and you know, I want to to be famous, or I want people to know what I'm doing, or whatever. And that's that's a natural thing. But I think you know, giving God the glory because He's the one that put us here. He's the one that gives us the gifts, the strengths, the weaknesses that are okay too. And so I uh, really appreciate that. And that's our parting gift for today. Now to close out uh, in prayer, dear God, uh, we just uh, thank you for. Or, um, opportunities to talk about fitness and faith. Um, you know, there's a uh, there's so much going on in the world today. We pray for uh, peace. Um, after we recently had this verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial in Minneapolis for the death of George Floyd, Lord God, that just uh, bring a healing 
um, and justice and peace for all of us. And Lord God, we pray for the communities that are affected, and we pray against uh, the evil of racism. And uh, we pray, Lord God, that you can uh, bring unity like it's never been seen before in our nation. Uh, we just uh, we pray uh, that you'll help us be healthier individuals, that we take care of ourselves, uh, you know, spiritually, mentally, and physically. Help us know how to do that, and then we look to you for the answers. We look for you. Uh, to you for that straight path. In your name we pray. Amen. And thank you so much again for joining us uh, for uh, this uh, this edition of Run the Race. And you can find us any of the previous 62 or 63 episodes on WTVM.com slash podcast. We'll hopefully have some videos up there as well. Uh, some of our uh, interviews, including the one with uh, Mayor and Pastor Bubba Copeland. We hope you enjoyed our, our conversation with him. And uh, looking forward to some uh, many more uh, great stories, um, extraordinary stories from even just ordinary people as they talk about fitness and faith on a, a weekly basis here for Run the Race. And so uh, we'll see you again soon.